So people of God, God has called us to worship Him. And we worship the living God today. And remember that out of nothing, God created the heavens and the earth. Remember that God raised Jesus from the powerlessness of death to the power of his right hand. Remember, not even the gates of hell can stand against God's purposes. We worship our God who reigns now and forever. We worship Jesus, who is the good shepherd, who is the gate. We'll talk more about that later. Who is the way, the truth, and the life. And as we worship our triune, God greets us, and I invite you to stand for the Lord's greeting. Brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself up for our sins to set us free from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. And together we say, Amen. Let's pray. Holy God and mighty Father in heaven, wonderful, merciful Savior and Holy Spirit, our equipper and encourager, we praise you for this day. We praise you for bringing us together, celebrating our common bond, that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. So bless all that is said and done through this time of worship. We ask that you bless the singing, the readings, the prayers, the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. And the reading and proclamation of your word. Bless those who are here and those who are unable to make it. Or are worshipping elsewhere. Or maybe worshipping today through the video ministries. May your name be praised and glorified. It is only in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. We worship a holy and mighty God. Let's continue standing if you're able to sing holy, 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 Lord God Almighty.
the past several weeks, uh, we've been talking about Bible stories and, and where we see ourselves in the story. In the New Testament, on various occasions, Jesus called his disciples. He called women and men, young and old, and he invited them to share in his story. And Jesus continues to meet his disciples and call his disciples today, women and men, young and old, and invite us to be part of the story. And that story today gathers us uh, around this table, and we celebrate communion. And at this table, we receive the bread of new life. And later in the service, we'll hear again more about how Jesus wants to give us life and to live our life to the fullest. John 10, verse 10. And this morning at the table, we are called together from many different stories into one story. At this table, we again are physically and spiritually reminded of what God has done for us through His Son. At this table, we feel strengthened to go answer Christ's call. At this table, we're gathered into the story of Jesus' love, His grace, and His forgiveness of all our sins. So let's just take a moment confessing our sins and asking Jesus to forgive all our sins, knowing that he's already forgiven all our sins through that one event on the cross. Let's pray. Most holy and merciful Father, we confess to you and to one another that we've sinned against you by what we've done and through the things that we've left undone. We haven't always loved you with our whole heart, mind, and strength and haven't fully loved our neighbors as ourselves. We haven't always had in us the mind of Christ. You alone know how often we've grieved you by wasting your gifts, by wandering from your ways, by forgetting your love. So forgive us, we pray, most merciful Father, and free us from our sins. Renew in us grace and strength of your Holy Spirit to give us life to the full. For the sake of your Son, our Savior. Amen. We are assured of God's amazing grace as we continue this story and celebrate the Lord's Supper. We respond by being the community that God calls us to. And we celebrate the Lord's Supper in love for God and love for one another. So join with me in a responsive litany. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the gospel tells us that on the first day of the week, the day on which our Lord rose from the dead, he appeared to some of his disciples and was made known to them in the breaking of bread. Come then to the joyful feast of the Lord. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. And let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right for us to give thanks and praise. It is our joy and peace and in all places. To give thanks to you, Holy Father, Almighty, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ. With joy we praise you, gracious God, for you've created heaven and earth. You've made us in your image. You've kept covenant with us even when we fell into sin. And we give thanks for Jesus Christ, our Lord, who by his life and his death and resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. So as one body, let us stand together 
and profess what we believe in our triune God as we recite together the words of the Apostles' Creed. Let's stand. And we say together, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray together. Gracious God, Creator God, faithful God, we are thankful for forgiveness of all our sins through your Son, Jesus Christ. And we are again reminded of this through this meal. We celebrate this as one body through your one Holy Spirit of Jesus. And we thank you that you've come to us first. And that you call us broken and sinners to come to you. And to accept your amazing grace and love. Continue to show among us the presence of your life-giving word and Holy Spirit to sanctify us in your whole church through this sacrament. We pray that all who share the body and the blood of our Savior Jesus Christ may be one in him and may remain faithful in love and hope. We thank you for this feast that's before us. Whatever age we might be, may we be nourished in our faith and grow more and more in a deeper relationship with you and with your people. Open our minds and open our hearts to receiving all the rich blessings that you desire to pour out upon us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. So we have the, the bread here. And the bread represents the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it was at the Last Supper where Jesus was with his disciples the night that he was betrayed and he took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke the bread. And when he broke the bread, he said to his disciples that this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And it is this broken bread that reminds us of Jesus' body. That it was broken for us and for all our sins that we are included in his story. And we have the cup. And today in this cup is grape juice, but it is this juice in this cup that represents the blood of Jesus Christ. And in the same way, Jesus took this cup after supper and he said to his disciples... This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. And this cup of juice reminds us that Jesus' blood was spilled for us. It was spilled for all our sins. And Jesus' sacrifice took care of it all. And no more blood needs to be spilled. And God sacrifices one and only Son so that we can be saved and that we can live for Jesus today and for eternity. 
we are in his story. So we have the privilege of celebrating the Lord's Supper. And through this celebration, we're reminded again that God is our God, that we are his people. That our God sent his one and only Son to forgive us from all our sins. That he died on the cross to take upon him the sins of the people. He rose from the dead so that we can have new life. And we have the benefits of the forgiveness and the new life in Christ already today. God gives us his amazing grace through his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus is present here today through the power and presence of his Holy Spirit. At this time, I invite the elders who are serving to come forward. And if you are here this morning and you've not made a commitment to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then please allow the bread and the juice to pass by. And if you're not participating for this reason or for whatever other reason, please do not hesitate to connect with either one of the servers or myself following the service to talk about your walk with Jesus Christ. But for those who have made a commitment to Jesus, you love the Lord and trust in Jesus alone for your salvation, the Lord has prepared this table for you. So I'll baptize members and guests among us who are truly sorry for their sins who sincerely believe in the Lord Jesus as their Savior, who desire to live in obedience to Him by loving Jesus and loving His people, are now invited to come with thanksgiving to the table of the Lord because these are the gifts of God for the people of God. The body of Christ broken for you.
sisters, we take and we eat, we remember, we believe that the body of our Lord Jesus Christ was broken for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. blood of Christ shed for you.
shed for you. Al, the blood of Christ shed for you. Fred, the blood of Christ shed for you. Trevor, the blood of Christ shed for you. Thanks be to God. So brothers and sisters, we take, we drink, and as we do, we remember, we believe that the Lord Jesus Christ, his blood was shed for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Congregation, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord has fed us through this meal, and let us come to him at this time in a prayer of thanksgiving. We bless you, Father God, for your love and grace to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. We bless you for showing your power through his death and resurrection through this sacrament of the bread and the cup. We praise you for uniting us together as one body assuring us that we are your sons and your daughters and calling us to be obedient to you by loving you and by loving your people. So increase our faith, increase our boldness, empower us through your spirit to always live our lives for Jesus, to live lives of hope, to live lives to the fullest in you. And may through this sacrament, each person here, young and old, be blessed. Continue to pour out your spirit upon each of us and may we surrender in obedience to your will. Bless the Sunday school children as they continue their time of worship and bless us as we hear from your word. May we be obedient to the prodding of your Holy Spirit in our church and in our lives. It is only in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. During this summer, we went through some of the parables of Jesus, being reminded through those parables about the kingdom of God and and how God is in control of his kingdom and growing his kingdom, growing his church. And yet God desires to use his people in the process. God desires his people. He desires us to be partners with him in growing the kingdom. So when you become a disciple of Jesus, then you are without a doubt involved in growing his kingdom and also growing his church. And through that, we get that theme over and over again that we hear through scripture where God initiates and we respond In addition, over this fall season, the elders and deacons have been or will be meeting with everyone in the church, including youth and young adults, through what is called kitchen table visits. This is where we as a church body are called to be discerning where God is at work in his church. We recognize the ministries and the work that he is blessing in his church. And we also recognize the ministries and areas that may need more work. Or maybe we need to just let go. God is again challenging us to partner with him in the growth. Again, God is in control of the process and he will use us. And kitchen table visits is just one of the ways that he will use us. Again, how God initiates and we have the opportunity to respond. In a moment, we'll read a story about sheep and a shepherd, a pen, a gate. And again, you're going to hear how God is again in control and taking care of his followers. And again, it is about how we can respond to him. Throughout the Gospel of John, we're going to be reading from John 10 in a moment. And throughout this Gospel, Jesus uses several I am statements. 
I'm the bread of life. I'm the resurrection. I'm the light of the world. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And following this morning's passage, we're going to read John 10, 1 through 10. But in verse 11, Jesus states, I'm the good shepherd. But in verses 1 to 10 of chapter 10, John records Jesus as saying, I am the gate. So let's read this morning from uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 10. Verses 1 through 10. John chapter 10. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. 10th chapter, we begin at verse 1. Very truly I tell you, he's talking to the Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is a shepherd of the sheep, and the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they don't recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees didn't understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved, and they will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So this passage here is a scene that would have been very familiar to the people at that time. Because shepherds and sheep were a normal part of the culture at that time. So just like today in rural Ontario, Jesus may have used dairy or cash crop example. So just for a moment, try to visualize what it may have looked like. And so visualize this natural enclosure. And imagine that you're in Israel... And then you come to this natural structure. So there may be trees and rocks on one side acting as a fence. And perhaps this cliff edge going up on another side. And perhaps some other sort of uh, natural barrier. Maybe again rocks or bushes on the other sides. Now this natural area would be open to the elements of the weather. It would have no roof. And as you, walk, as you are walking around it you see an opening in the hoof marks of sheep having gone in and out. And you notice that there'd only be one gate. Not two or three, just one gate. Well, actually, it wasn't a gate at all. It was just an opening into this natural enclosure or this wall. And as now you continue to visualize, eventually, as you're there, this shepherd appears. And now in your imagination, you're fortunate that this Middle Eastern fellow speaks fluent English. And you ask him questions about this structure, and he tells you that this structure is a sheepfold. And he says that this is where the sheep stay at night. And yet you question that opening that you saw in the natural sheep pen, and how that opening leaves the sheep quite vulnerable and unprotected. And he stands proud before you as a shepherd And he says, I am the gate. And I'm here 
through the night. He goes on to explain how he builds a shelter and he sits in that shelter if needed through all kinds of storms and facing all kinds of wildlife and thieves. And to show you what's happened with some past events, he pulls back his sleeves of his robe. And sure enough, there's the cuts and the scars on his arm and body from teeth and claws. He explains that these are wounds which he has suffered as he fought off animals while defending his sheep. The shepherd is the gate. And his sheep go through the gate. Anything else is not part of his flock. Jesus states in this chapter here that he is the gate. Jesus is the protector of his sheep, of his people. He keeps people from eternal harm. And Jesus is saying that he is the only way in and the only way out. It is only through him. People may try to go around, but those people are not his sheep. Those people, as referred to here, are thieves and robbers. They have a different intention. They have different motives. They do not have the things of God in mind. But those who enter through the gate through the shepherd, through Jesus, will be saved because salvation is only through Jesus. Now, salvation through Jesus is affirmed throughout other scripture passages as well. John 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Acts 4, verse 12, Peter preaches that salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Salvation is through Christ alone. The psalmist in the Old Testament, Psalm 118, verses 19 to 21, proclaims, Open for me the gates of righteousness. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. And I will give you thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. It is only through Jesus Christ that we are given salvation. Jesus is the only way. It's not our good works that will save us. It's not Mohammed. It's not any other religion other than a relationship with Jesus. Other religions have important figures that they can boast about. But none of them are able to affirm that they are God in the flesh. Jesus, who came down as God, and who lived and who died for his sheep, his people. Jesus provides salvation to his people. And it is through Jesus, this gate of salvation, that we are to enter, and that we're able to enter. But take notice how the sheep, they go in and they go out, they find pasture. The shepherd does not just intend for his sheep to be caged in the pen all the time. His sheep are able to go in, they're able to go out. He allows his sheep to wander, allows them to find pasture. But they must go in and out through the gate. Knowing their shepherd. Hearing his voice. They stay in this pen. And then they go out of this pen under the shepherd's watchful eye and protection. You see, Jesus is not a collector of disciples. Jesus doesn't just herd his people together and keep them sheltered. Jesus cares for his people. He protects his people. 
And the sheep are able to go in and to go out of this pen. The sheep need to find pasture. Their physical needs are to be met. So there is freedom with the shepherd. There is freedom to make decisions. There is freedom to go about our daily routines and our daily callings. Enjoy life. Enjoy the world. Enjoy the culture. But in this freedom, we continue to be under the protection of our Savior. And in our daily routines, yes, our physical needs need to be met. Our social needs need to be met. Our vocational or educational needs are being met. Disciples of Jesus have the freedom to go in and out through this gate, always under the watchful eye of Jesus and keeping our focus on him. And Jesus states that his people will come in and go out. But then Jesus states that it's not only about our physical or social needs, because life is more than that. There's even more freedom than that. Jesus gives his people the opportunity to safely wander, to go about life. But Jesus doesn't want his people to have just life, but he wants his people to have life to the full. Verse 10, we read, The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus doesn't just want us to go about living our life, but he wants us to live our life to the full. The true life in Christ is not just one about surviving, but true life in Christ is about thriving. See, life is not only about our physical needs, but also about our spiritual needs, our relationship with Jesus. So what does it mean to thrive? What is a full life? Does this mean that you will prosper physically and materially? Possibly, but it's not meant to say this. In fact, our circumstances in life and our circumstances in church can be somewhat difficult and challenging and even heartbreaking. Our life will have difficulties. Our life will have circumstances that are well beyond our control. We're reminded again that, of that this month with untimely deaths of a, one of our students, a Christian school student in London, and, and this week with the bus driver, Pam. But when we've entered through the gate and have left through the same gate, we always have the protection of our gate. In life and in death, we belong to Jesus Christ. We have the protection of our gate, our Lord and Savior, because Jesus is the center of our life. Things of this world cannot provide us what God can through His Son, Jesus Christ. People in our lives cannot provide us what God can through His Son, Jesus Christ. You see, things will disappoint us, people will disappoint us, but Jesus will not disappoint us. Romans 5 states, Hope does not disappoint us, for Christ died for us. You see, a full and abundant life is that assurance for the present that Jesus has fought the fight for us already. He's already fought the devil through his work on the cross, and Jesus did this for us, because we can't, and we won't. Because as Scripture says, we were dead to our sins. We don't have the ability to save ourselves. But Jesus does, and he did. He saved us so that people could have life to the full. Now, there are people 
in this world, and perhaps in our congregation, who live their lives without Jesus. And as we look around, we see that things are okay with them. They could still live a pretty decent life from a human perspective. That's physically. But there's no way that they would have a full life. Because a full life includes the life with Jesus. Knowing that all our sins, all our burdens, all our baggage is on Him. That He protects us from the devil. That He watches over us and He comforts us in difficult times. People of God go in and out through the gate. Do you profess Jesus as your one and only Savior from all your sins? We celebrated that this morning through the table. Living life to the fullest gives us the assurance of salvation today, and it gives us hope for tomorrow. We have a living Savior that continues to live in us. John is witnessing to a living Christ. It is being assured that that nothing that we can do or nothing that we can't do will change our relationship with our Savior. Living a full life also provides us hope. Through faith in a risen Christ, we will have eternal life. And life through Jesus gives us hope. It gives us the knowledge that death has been conquered. Because that empty cross... The empty tomb does not become an empty life. Rather, the empty cross and the empty tomb results in the full life of Christ. That old rugged cross that we approach on Good Friday becomes that new abundant life on Easter Sunday. And we continue to live that full life each and every day. Friends, it's all what God has done. It's nothing that we've done. He's in control. And yet on account of what God has done for us through the cross and through the resurrection of His Son, out of gratitude and thanksgiving, we have the opportunity to respond, to respond in faith. We have an opportunity to serve our living Savior. So as mentioned earlier, Jesus doesn't keep us in the pen. He sends us out. He sends us out to pasture so our physical needs are met. But as disciples, we are also sent out and scattered to share with others that we do indeed serve a risen Savior. That we do, well, that we do have eternal life, but not only eternal life, that future hope, but we have a full life of Christ already today. And that's the present reality. You see, being a disciple of Jesus is not only about that end goal, eternal salvation, but being a disciple is also about the journey. It's about living a life for Jesus today. It is accepting Jesus and giving all our sins to Him through our repenting hearts and accepting that freedom that we have in Christ. Too many people today fail to recognize the gift they've received from their Father in Heaven. And they either don't experience that gift until much later in life or even not at all. Too many people are what the Apostle John refers to in Revelation as lukewarm, kind of take it or leave it religion. But Jesus calls his people, he calls each of us today to have life to the fullest. Today, please accept it. You can choose to live life normally, 
But Jesus came to give abundant life. He came to give us life to the full. It's loving Him and loving others as Jesus would love us. It's forgiving others as He's so forgiven us. It is reconciling relationships with one another as He's reconciled us. Having a full life through Jesus Christ refers to the indwelling of Jesus Christ and being empowered by His Holy Spirit. When Jesus lives in you, the followers of Jesus will have the riches that are in Christ. It's spiritual richness and spiritual abundance of life. Living life to the fullest is knowing that Jesus is in our life and that he's part of our life. And we will still have similar circumstances as others in this world. But we face them, each and every circumstance, with Jesus our Lord and our Savior. He is our gate, our protector. And as part of that, we're called to reflect Him, to represent Him, and to continually serve Him in gratitude and thanksgiving as individuals in a church body. So Jesus laid down His life for you. And despite the circumstances that surround your life, He has given you an abundant life. So may you live this life to the full. And if you want this life to the full, Jesus is the gate. He is the only gate. And he wants you to enter through him today. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, you are our provider and and our protector. And you sent your son into this world to provide us salvation and to protect us from the evil one. And you call us into a relationship with you through Jesus. You are the gate to eternal life. And you provide us life not only in the future, but you offer us full life for the present. You offer us a life of assurance and hope with you. So we thank you for the forgiveness of our sins. We thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you for the freedom in Jesus Christ. That we can confess all our sins to you. And you remove the stains and the burdens of sin. Continue to pour out your Holy Spirit to empower us and equip us in our tasks. We thank you for your Spirit upon us. We thank you for assurance of love and grace and forgiveness. May we respond to you with action and surrendering our hearts and our lives to Jesus. Thank you that we can stand in freedom. And it is only in the name of Jesus that we can pray this. Amen. Let's stand to sing our song of response. We come, O Christ, to you.
a reminder, uh, tomorrow we have a Thanksgiving Day service. It's at 10 a.m. here. Um, as mentioned, there'll be the opportunity to share our gifts uh, of food, offerings of food for the food drive for the local food bank, and also financial offerings will be taken. And also uh, come with a pie if you're able to, and uh, we'll have a time of fellowship and pie social following the service. Um, a couple other announcements. Day of Encouragement is on Saturday in Hamilton, so it's still not too late to check up on that and to uh, uh, see if you can enroll in some of the workshops there. Community Meal will be hosted next week Sunday at the Exeter United Church, and uh, all are welcome for a time of fellowship and food, a free meal at this event as well. Following the service, we have refreshments uh, in the gym, so take time to stick around, continue a time of worship as we fellowship with one another. Let us rise for the Lord's blessing and his sending and his blessing upon us. As we heard from the Gospel of John, we heard that our Lord calls us to live a life to the fullest in him. That he is to be the center of our lives and we're to live our life for Jesus. In scripture, Jesus commands us that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And as we go out loving our God for what he is, for everything that he's done for us and loving his people, we're sent out with God's blessing. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forevermore. And together we say, Amen. Father, we love you. Amen.